It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. And good morning, welcome to Tuesday. It's Cork Today. Lines open 0818-103-103 or you can text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. You can email across the show Today at c103.ie. Patricia uh, feeding a bit under the weather uh, this morning. A lot of those uh, calls are doing the round at the moment. So with you until one o'clock and Bernie uh, taking those calls uh, right across the show. But ahead until one, we're going to hear uh, first of all about Budget 2024. It's going to be delivered this afternoon and with corporate taxes down plus the economies of many of the world's biggest economies on the way down also we're going to hear what the government has decided to do with public money we'll be chatting later this morning with Adam Higgins who's a political correspondent with the Irish Sun and also what the people of Cork want from Budget 24 we hit the streets yesterday to find out we're also going to hear about a new online platform which is to share harmful online experiences experiences by children who uh, this is to alert parents and indeed guardians. We're going to speak with Orla Stewart because at a young age, uh, this was via an online chat room. Orla was forced to send nude photos. Now it highlights the dangers of the web and how hard it can be for parents to monitor a child's online habits. So we're going to speak with Orla this morning on that. And also a new bill was introduced within the last week to establish a domestic violence register which would operate in the same way as a sex offenders register. And this will be known as Jennifer's Law. We're going to speak with Jennifer's brother Jason as Jennifer was stabbed to death by her ex-partner also Senator Fiona O'Loughlin who introduced the bill to the Senate last week will join us on this and consumer affairs correspondent with the Irish Times Conor Pope will be on the show later and this is ahead of a new TV show that is going to battle for the consumer so if you have a problem with your broadband provider or maybe you went to some shop and bought something and you were promised a refund as if things did not work out well they want to hear from you. We'll speak with Connor later in the programme. And as it is Tuesday from 12.30, our regular show councillor Joe Heffernan will join us discussing gambling. I'm sure you'll be well aware uh, over the last number of days uh, recent surveys and reports on gambling and the addiction and the harm it can cause and it would seem that those in their 30s, males in their 30s in particular uh, are the ones who delve into gambling more than others. That or more with Joe after 12.30 this morning. But 
Some other news this morning that is making a way of the budget because we will discuss the budget uh, shortly, but just something else that is making news. And this is an investigation by the Irish Mirror. Uh, and we did speak with a professor from UCC last Friday on the show on this. It's how children can buy vapes and they can do so quite easily. Uh, the Mirror sent in a 14-year-old boy who openly purchased four disposable wa- uh, vape devices just in an hour because there's actually no law on selling them to under 18s here in this country. And Ireland is one of the last countries in the world that has not yet banned their sale to kids. So he brought the brightly coloured, sweet flavoured vape pins and easily he went around to a number of corner shops that sell those and got them. Uh, and then he went into a dedicated vape outlet and two phone stores in Dublin and purchased these vapes. And despite it not being illegal, he then went to a number of the main supermarkets but when you went into the main supermarkets the the bigger supermarkets in this country they all asked for ID age-wise and then uh, when he displayed his ID or he did not show ID they refused the sale. Now also in this investigation it was found that seven children were put in hospital last year due to vaping uh, with one uh, on with anti-freeze poisoning it was the results due to the vaping so it shows the harm that they can cause and they also learned within this investigation that primary school kids as young as those from 8, 9 or 10 years old are actually vaping and using these devices and also Many people will be aware those in their early teens are also using these vapes. Now, there's been calls for a law to be brought in. And since Ireland was one of the first countries in the world to bring in a smoking ban for workplace smoking, uh, that something like this needs to be introduced when it comes to vaping for those under 18. Since many of the other countries across the world have this and Ireland has not, and you can see from this investigation how a 14-year-old can openly go in to many corner shops, to phone stores who sell vapes, purchase them no problem whatsoever and vape away at a young age whereas at least with the main supermarkets even though there's no law in place they were asking for ID and refused them uh, interesting investigation this morning carried out there by the mirror and then something else which is taking place in 2027 not too far away in Adair in County Limerick it is of course the Ryder Cup and there's big preparations underway for that in that part of Limerick Bush. Uh, right across the surrounding counties, dozens of property owners who were using an accommodation website to rent out their houses for up to €85,000 during the Ryder Cup when it does come to a dare in 2027. They say that they have received no interest so far. Now, I've, I've actually spoken to friends of mine who live in various areas of the Limerick and Clare border uh, and they're considering doing this themselves. Uh, at the moment, those who have decided to go down this route, they have paid hundreds of euro to place adverts on an accommodation site that's called Accommodation for the Event. And this website states that it specialises in short-term accommodation for golfing tournaments in Ireland. Now, it currently costs €295 to place an ad on this website and most people availed of this early bird offer of €195. But some have said their houses are advertised on this site for more than a year and they have not received any calls or indeed any emails. Now, there could be a number of reasons for this. 
Uh, first of all, there are currently more than 200 properties on that website and they're looking at the events underway at the moment in Europe and indeed in the States. But houses in Cork, Kerry, Clare, Galway and Limerick, they're being offered to rent out uh, for the event in Adair, but the prices are quite high. Uh, look at this one. A five-bedroom house in Nina in County Tipperary. It's listed for €85,000 for 10 days during that event, while a four-bed house in Killarney is up for €40,000. And the research carried out by the Irish Independent then, because they delved in more and they contacted 30 people who had adverts on this website and they all said that they received no inquiries as yet. Now, they had no calls whatsoever, uh, says one person, and they have had the advert up for one year. And this owner owns a five-bedroom house in Charnival. Now, the property is 5,000 square foot and it's a 30-minute drive from Adair. And the price for this is listed as between thirty-five to 45 thousand euro for that house in Charnival which is free to rent uh, during the Ryder Cup in Adair. Now many feel that maybe nearer the time that they may get money uh, but this person in the Charnival area says it was a bit of a random punt so they weren't expecting too much from it and if it happens it happens. And then another woman living in West Limerick said she put up her family home on this site in October 2021. So she was planning way ahead for the Ryder Cup coming to Adair and as yet has not had any contact. And then a four-bedroom house in Castle Island uh, listed for €65,000. And it goes on to say, you know, there's ample space for storage and nice private gardens. But again, no interest as yet. So maybe nearer the time uh, people may have an interest. The prices are very high. Could that be a factor? Or are those who are going to come to the Ryder Cup, mainly it's aimed at those in America uh, and the United States, obviously, who will travel over here. Will they not worry about money? Have they the cash in hand and will they just simply go along and pay high prices for those in the area who are about an hour or an hour and a half's drive from Adair that are going to leave their home, not too sure where they'll go, but rent out their own family home for huge amounts of money. Anyhow, your views are welcome on that and maybe people in those various areas may go along after hearing that and decide to get involved and do that. Anyhow, it's nice money if you can get it. 0818103103 Our lines are open. Text or indeed WhatsApp 0862103103 Speaking of nice money, we're going to hear what people in Cork want out of budget 2024. We hit the streets and we'll hear that next. A lot of calls and comments coming in on the budget as well and we're going to go to Adam Higgins who is a political correspondent with the Irish Sun at about 10.40 or so this morning to look at what is planned in the budget. There wasn't many leaks across the weekend. There was a few, but nothing kind of confirmed within the last 24 hours. A lot of information has come out with regards to budget 2024. And we have also hit the streets of Cork. So we'll bring you what the people of Cork feel they want and should be included in the budget, along with your calls and comments. And indeed, Adam Higgins from the Irish Sun. That's all ahead. But first, I want to speak to Orla Stewart, who wants to make parents aware of what can happen on Line and how a child can end up sharing photos of themselves and how it can all turn nasty very, very fast indeed. We'll speak uh, with Orla next because they've set up a new online platform for parents and guardians to share examples of any harmful experiences a child may experience online. Uh, Orla joins us next. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. 
Cork Today on C103. A new online platform for parents and guardians to share examples of harmful online language experienced by children has been launched. Orla Stewart joins me as she feels a service like this is quite necessary. Good morning to you, Orla. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. I mean, first of all, to your own story, and you're very brave to come out and and, and be quite open on this, but I think it will help a lot of parents, a lot of uh, children and indeed guardians as well to prevent this from happening in the future. Um, You were quite young when you yourself was more or less blackmailed into sending uh, nude photos of yourself when when you were online as just a child. Uh, How did the interaction online begin? Yeah, so I was living in France at the time with my family, my two younger sisters and my parents. And due to the language barrier, um, I was quite badly bullied in school. And, you know, it was very, very severe to the point of hospital visits, um, physical bullying and mental bullying. Um, And because I had no friends in real life, I decided to go online and try and find some friends, try and find somebody that I could connect with. which sadly somebody decided to take full advantage of Um, and I messaged uh, who I thought to be a young man a young child I suppose say my age and he wasn't at all and we were talking for a few weeks though and it was really really good and I really felt like I had a connection with this person a friendship I felt loved and cared about which I had not anywhere in my friend group or in school anywhere so when he asked me for some pictures, I immediately said no. And I said no three times um, on multiple occasions. But he insisted and he said that if I didn't send these pictures, that he would disappear. And my first instinct was, well, if this person disappears, who else do I have? I've got absolutely no one in this world. Um, but in, in the end, I did end up sending them because I was scared to lose the friendship. I sent three photos. And from that point on, um, he turned around and he said to me that if I didn't send more, that they would end up on my public platforms, sent to my family and friends, and that they would be everywhere. So essentially, long story short, I did everything that he asked for the guts of three years. And you were quite young at this stage. I mean, he was getting more demanding, but you were only, was it 10 years old you said you were? Um, the interaction would have started just before I turned 11, I believe, and it would have gone to that extent when I was freshly 11. And at a very young age, you'd understand why you wanted to keep the friendship going. If you, you know, a new country, trying to make new friends, and if that was going on within your schooling, you can understand why you wanted to to keep the friendship online. Were you ever, as it continued on and as you got older, aware of the age of this man? Um, so when it all came about, when I, you know, told my parents and I got the help that I needed, um, especially looking back, I can certainly say that he was probably in his early 20s, early to mid 20s. Um, so, you know, it definitely wasn't what the you impression he was. was giving me in the yeah. slightest. Yeah. And how did it all come to a head? Because in the end, you had to open up to someone. And at that age, many uh, young children wouldn't be, you know, opening up to their parents about what might be happening online or what they have done online. Yeah. So during all of this, well, this whole um, blackmail situation, um, I was absolutely determined for nobody to find out about this I mean I was doing everything in my power for my parents not to find out my fat nobody um, and I actually became very self-destructive and I was very destructive in the home and um, I started to self-harm and um, I'd attempt to take my own life on multiple occasions um, and my parents ended up putting me in a psychiatric unit 
and I had been admitted twice previously and I came out and it would all just carry on the way it was um nothing changed and one one new year we were at a family friend's house who is quite experienced when it comes to paedophiles and children and all this stuff um, and he my parents chatted to him and said to him that you know this is the behavior this is what's been going on we don't know what we're doing we don't know what's going on with her and um, she won't talk to us and he sat me down and he showed me a video of a young Canadian girl called Amanda Todd and um, who had gone through something very similar and who had sadly taken her own life at the end of it and um, so when he showed me this video it kind of really hit me hard because this was the first time and I really mean the first time I'd ever heard of anybody going through this as well and um, I really didn't know anybody hadn't seen online nothing so it really hit me hard and when we got home after that trip to our family friends um my dad ended up taking my mom and dad took the door off the hinges because I was locking myself in my room every single day and they just couldn't take it anymore Um, I went into the bathroom and I sadly decided to take my own life again and um, attempted to and I screamed my mom came in it was big panic and she started driving me to the hospital and she said to me if you don't tell me what's going on you're not coming out I'm not taking you back out until I know what's going on and I just turned around to her and I said Amanda Todd and she knew immediately what had been going on um, and we pulled over we cried we you know it was just it was relief but also fear because I didn't know what the future was going to be I didn't know what would happen in her next reaction or what would happen when she told my dad or anything so thankfully Every, everybody was very extremely supportive and their biggest concern was me. Um, and they, you know, it was they were great, absolutely brilliant. And while all of that was going on, were you still in contact with this person online and was he still demanding the photos or had that eased at that stage? No, so when I did tell my parents, they took everything away from me, obviously, and um, I didn't have access to him whatsoever. Um, and I was terrified that I would like, show up somewhere and people be on their phones and be laughing because they see these photos you know these put them out and um, so I was absolutely terrified but other than that I had no contact until I got a new phone when we moved and I downloaded apps and you know when you can download apps and it connects to your google account and it just logs you in these things automatically yeah and um, but immediately he saw that I was active and he sent me a message saying that he still has the photos and I need to do basically carry on with what I was doing um, and that immediately I went to my mum. I wasn't letting, I wasn't hiding at this time. I went to my mum, told her, went to the police, um, which didn't get us very far. And we kind of just carried on then with our lives as we were, myself still struggling, but somewhat getting better. And when we moved home to Ireland, um, I again got a new phone, logged in, and it was the same thing again. You know, I've still got these photos. Um, I'll keep, I'll send them out there just constant threats um, and since that though I haven't heard anything from him thankfully. And did you ever see him when you were interacting online? Yeah so he would ask for Skype video calls um, and I would see him it was, it was very eerie even looking back it was just him on the on the screen and it was just a very dark room um, very plain painted walls and just sit there without saying a word. And would you recognise him, do you think, if you saw him once again? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I still, he he used to wear these glasses and um, I work in a very public area now and if I see those glasses, it immediately 
you know, I, I kind of freeze for a second. It really freaks me out. They're kind, they're not the glasses that you would see every day, but when you do see them, it's, you know them, do you know? And Orla, when you reported it to the police in France and did you report it here as well to the Gardaí when you came back to Ireland? Yes, it was reported to police in France. Um, it was reported to Wales police as well because we were living in Wales afterwards and then we reported it in Ireland as well. And um, each time was to no ends. Um, I was told in Ireland that essentially because he's not in the same country, um, there's not a whole lot that they can do. There's actually nothing they can do re- realistically unless he somehow wound up in Ireland um, to their knowledge. Even though we're part of the EU, there's, there's nothing, there's no laws or anything that could catch him if he is. Well, we don't know where he is, I suppose. He could be anywhere uh, in the world. Well, yeah, we tried. They did try to track him in France. Um, and at one point it was Belgium. At one point it was Canada. Then it was France again. And we really, it was just mixed match everywhere. No one had a straight answer as to where he was. So yeah. when he Despite logs his in, still being active. yeah, when he's on his app and when you log into your app and he's still on his, there's no link up to an ISP address or anything that can trace him. Apparently not, no, according to them. That is very strange. Uh, and the reason that you're raising this issue and speaking out, Orla, and you're very brave, as I said, to do so, you don't want another younger person ending up in this situation like you did, someone out there who basically is preying on the innocence of a child. Absolutely. You know, it's it's take, it's, it's taken years off my childhood. Um, you know, my childhood was very tarnished because of it. Um, it only in the past three four years have I kind of gotten kind of stable in my life um it's been a very very long hard difficult and traumatic road and I still experience as I said I freeze when I see those glasses you know I still I still get those kind of trauma cases but um it's horrible it's absolutely heartbreaking and all I want to do is raise awareness so that other parents will sit down have conversations with their kids and it's such an uncomfortable subject but it's a subject that needs to be spoken about um but hopefully kilter the software that I'm helping kind of get out there and we'll be able to stop it before it even starts is the goal there. And the new platform, this basically is to inform the uh, child protection software for mobile phones that something like this is happening and the parents and guardians are aware uh, of this. Uh, And this new software, I presume, is is easy to use and it it can be used on smartphones to, I suppose, block any outgoing or incoming harmful content. Exactly. So the idea is that when you buy your phone, so if you buy it straight out of the shop, same as your calculator, it's on the phone. You know, you can't. It's it's just there to be used. Um, and the idea is that when a child is potentially receiving harmful messages or searching up harmful content um, or receiving harmful images, you know, of any type, that the software will block that image or text from being shown to the child um, and it will notify the child, you know, this has been sent to your parent. The parent will then get a message on their phone to say this is what's being sent. It will show the parent what is attempting to be sent and they will they can then take those further steps. But it's the idea is that that child has never seen that text or image. So it's never started and they can deal with that from the exact moment that it starts. 
And I know there are certain measures in place within homes whereby you can have the Wi-Fi for certain devices switching off at maybe 8 o'clock in the evening so a child can't go on the web late at night. But a lot of what happens can happen during the day as well so and can happen outside of the home. And I know research from a Morock that was carried out for a filter recently has showed that parents only sometimes supervise their child's internet access. And that's understandable as well. It's very hard to keep on top of everything online at every single point of the day. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, cutting off the Wi-Fi at a certain time of night, I mean, look, it doesn't do nothing. But at the end of the day, there's school, there's public areas, they're hanging out with their friends. You know, if a child wants to do these things or is being groomed into doing these things, they will find a way to do it. Um, kids are very determined. And it's it just, there's, in my opinion anyway, when my parents were trying to monitor me, I just found many, many, many ways around it. You know, there was... I was so scared and determined. There was no way of stopping me at that point. I was too deep in it. Um, so, you know, and ha- being a parent is hard enough as it is. You know, you're running around constantly over kids and your own personal lives, work, family, everything. And to have to, on top of that, every day nearly is kind of what you'd, what the ideal thing would be every day, seeing what they're looking at. But it's not, you can't do that every day. There's no, there's not enough hours in the day. And um, as mo- as important as it is, as I said, kids will clear those browser histories. Kids will delete the apps when they get home and re-download them when they're no longer in parents' view. It's, it's yeah, I did it. You know, every child is capable of doing it. And the fact that a child at eight, nine years old now is getting smartphones, maybe younger, uh, before you give a smartphone, I know it's a very young age, but would you advise the parents or a guardian to talk to the child and so, while not to get into too much detail, outline what could happen that people may want to talk to you online and the dangers that may be involved? Absolutely, yeah. It's, you know, if you're giving a child a device that allows them access to pretty much everything, they need to know what's out there and they need to be aware to some extent of rules and boundaries. And, you know, these people are out there without, you know, going too far into it. Um, and as as time goes on, you have to keep those conversations going, you know, because someone tells you something six months ago you're probably not going to remember it and as a child when you're focused on your friends and you know videos on YouTube and all this stuff you're not going to be remembering that one conversation the man was telling you not to do something you know kids don't listen to those things all the time so it's an uncomfortable subject but it needs to be had it's a conversation that needs to be had regularly. And Orla, for yourself, I mean, you've explained that the effects this has had on you over the last number of years. Um, now being older, how is life for you when it comes to online, first of all, and also the relationships? I mean, has had a, has it impacted on your life in, in, in that way? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so on my social media, my real name isn't available. Um, you know, my real last name, you won't you won't find me online. Um, but when it comes to relationships, friends and partners and things like that, yeah, it's had a it's had a, it's had its effect. You know, um, there's a lot of trauma there. But um, nowadays, I'm in a very good, stable job. Um, I have a very long term I have a long term girlfriend who is absolutely amazing. So I've definitely come out the other end. Um, you know, I have amazing family, amazing partner, great friends. So thankfully out the other end. So there is, you know, if it is happening or if it does happen, there is definitely another side to come out of. And while you, and it's great to hear that and that you, you, you've moved on, I suppose, in some way. And now you're able to speak out and, and highlight what you went through to save others. Uh, but are you still conscious in the back of your mind that this guy is, you know, somewhere in the world out there, maybe still doing this? And are you ever, is it something that you maybe one day would love to meet this person and say, stop or why? 
Yeah, um, I'm very, very conscious. I think about it regularly. You know, sometimes I'll be just randomly doing something. I think, Jesus, there is he doing it to another girl right now or another child? Um, so, yeah, it absolutely crossed my mind, my mind quite regularly. And it's scary. It's very, very scary. But, you know, I we tried to report it in three different countries. And, you know, from there, I, there's not a lot more you can do. If, if he was ever caught and if I was ever to come to my attention that, um, you know, he's been apprehended, then I would absolutely love to kind of face him and um just yeah kind of why why what what was the joy out of you know causing yeah. so much harm and trauma indeed to such a, a young girl it's, it just makes no sense and it makes no sense that indeed you know the authorities with all the technology that is out there now and they can uh, get yeah. over so much they could not track down th- this person from an isp address but whatever he was using maybe there's a, a reason for that too uh, people can continue to make submissions i suppose on this um and you, they can do that if you're listening and, and feel you can give uh, more information uh, from a parent's point of view or an adult point of view uh, the website is kids online safetyresearch.ie submissions can be made to that website our order for yourself we wish you the best and, and delighted life is, is good for you now and that you are in a, a good relationship and work is going well and family life is going well and well done again on speaking out because as you more or less have outlined if you speak out it will help others eventually you did to your mother and maybe someone this morning is listening to this that may feel their child is in a similar situation or maybe the person listening is is in that situation and just to let someone know and that help is out there thank you very much for having me I really appreciate it. Orla, thanks. Thank you. You're very brave again for, for chatting to us this morning. Uh, that is Orla Stewart there. Uh, and your views are welcome on that. And it's just awful to think that, you know, a person like what happened to Orla is still there, I suppose, somewhere in the world. And, that, you know, that, that's getting away with it, maybe you could put it that way. Anyhow, uh, your, our lines are open 0818 103 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And again, our thanks to Orla for joining us this morning on that issue. On the way next, the Budget 2024 will be delivered this afternoon at one o'clock. And what are we to expect? Corporate taxes are down. The economies of many of the world's biggest countries are down. But seemingly, it's going to be a budget for all. We'll be speaking with Adam Higgins uh, from the Irish Sun next. Cork today on C103. Budget 2024 gets delivered later at one o'clock to look ahead to the possibilities. I'm joined by Adam Higgins, political correspondent with the Irish Sun. Good morning to you, Adam. Good morning. I'm hiding here in the corridors of power in a quiet uh, stairway <laughs> while we have a quick chat before all the show starts now at one, cl- one o'clock. And it's going to be a busy place there later. I'm sure the corridor where you are will be uh, busy with a lot of discussions uh, taking place later this evening. But uh, initially there seemed to be less leagues, Adam, than previous years. And maybe that was because the ministers were revising the budget up to the last second because a lot of our listeners this morning are concerned with the changes in corporate tax. And indeed, we are seeing so many economies across the world in big countries slowing down. Are they making the right decisions by what this could be seen as a budget for all? Yeah, I suppose it could be seen as a budget for all. I mean, if you put some of the measures together, for example, the income tax cuts, the USC cuts, along with those energy credits, almost everybody in the country will get about €1,000 out of the budget. And that's including people, say, who aren't working, who are on social welfare payments, pensioners, job seekers, things like that, because they're due to get a €12 uh, increase to their weekly payments, along with a a bunch of other bonus payments that will be paid out in the run-up to Christmas. So I suppose it could be seen as a budget for all. And it's something that the government, I suppose, is 
very conscious of. So they know they've got, on the one hand, they've got the Budget Advisory Committee and the ERSI and some of these economic groups warning them not to spend too much, not to put too much money back into the economy for fear that it will stoke inflation further and make it an, an Irish-specific problem as opposed to a, a European problem. But on the other hand, then, the ministers are getting it in the air on their, from their constituencies every day of the week from people who are struggling with cost of living and increased payments from inflation and everything that comes along with that. And we're facing into another winter where while energy prices won't be as high as last year, they're still going to be quite high. So I think this is kind of a delicate balancing act that Minister McGrath and Minister Dunhu are having to do today. And you mentioned there about the social welfare payments. I mean, these will be extended as well to uh, the various allowances like the carers allowance and disability allowance. So it will impact in every section of society and from income tax to those who are paying rent and those with mortgages. Uh, You'll be well aware a lot of the salary we all pay, the bulk of that does go on rent or mortgages. There's going to be um, a tax credit, isn't it, for rent that is due to double anyhow, uh, as well with changes to mortgage relief. So there was talk of a double of that renter's credit. And just for the listeners who may not be aware of it, that renter's credit was introduced in the last budget, a 500 euro lump sum that can be given back to renters, but you have to claim it. And it's something that the government are concerned that not as many people are claiming it, not as many people uh, may be as aware aware of it, that it's there for them, that they can claim this back 500 euro tax-free. And so there was talk of it being doubled, but over the last day or so, that's been whittled down to about 750 euro it's going up to. So uh, two €250 increase on that. And on the flip side of that, in the housing section, we know that the government are looking at a range of options to help entice small landlords to stay in the market. So we've seen over the past year, a lot of people are leaving while the market's at the the highest selling their properties and they don't want to be a small landlord anymore. But in order to try and keep them in, the government has some tax incentives included in this that's going to help them save a couple of grand and try to keep them in the market so that there's more rental properties available. So it's kind of a a two-pronged effect there when it comes to the rental market. And then for those who have their own homes and do pay a mortgage, uh, this mortgage relief is also the change. Will that affect just people maybe who are on a variable rates or are those within fixed rates going to benefit from this or is that decided as yet? Yes, this is all nailed down from as of yesterday morning. And I think what we're going to see here is that this is specifically targeted over the past year. Um, the ECB have put up their rates 10 times and anyone that has a tracker mortgage or a variable mortgage will be very aware of that because they'll have letters and emails coming to them from their bank every month almost saying that your rate has gone up again, your rate has gone up again. And I know a lot of your listeners will be listening to this now nodding their head going, yeah, those letters scared the hell out of me. And so what the government is trying to do is alleviate some of that financial pressure specifically on those houses. So it won't really affect fixed mortgage rates. It will only be for those on a tracker mortgage or a variable mortgage. There will be conditions attached to that so there will be a qualifying range for how much your mortgage has to have left on it and how long you have to have left on it and you're not going to get the full relief of everything that's happened to you over the past year on those ECB rate increases you're going to get 20% of that back so it looks like it'll give you a max of around 1250 euro back from last year and this year so that's the balance that you're going to get back on those but obviously there's a couple of qualifiers around that depending on how much of a rate your rate increase has gone up and how much you've got left to pay on your mortgage and any measures included to tackle the high cost of childcare fees? Yeah, this is one of the ones that was 
the latest to be agreed yesterday. So we know Roderick O'Gorman, the Green Party Children's Minister, last year he made a firm commitment that he wanted to bring childcare fees for parents down by 50%. He got that over the line, the first half of that anyway, in last year's budget, a 25% decrease. But in the past couple of weeks, he has been facing trouble trying to get agreement on that 25% in, uh, decrease again. So we know that there wasn't enough money in it, that the government were concerned about um, the size of that children's department budget, because that also looks after the Ukrainian refugee crisis, situa- the accommodation situation there, and they've had a big overrun. So there was concerns about that overrun, but it looks like the minister has got it over the line. He's won those negotiations, and there's going to be a further 25% cut to childcare fees. Now, on the other side of that, childcare providers, they were outside the doll here the week before last protesting a huge protest. I spoke to a lot of those uh, creche owners and early childhood learning centre owners who were terrified that they weren't going to make it through the winter because those in order for parents their parents that have children with their business in order for those parents to get those fees they've had to freeze their what they charge parents but those rates are frozen at a rate from two years ago which don't take into account inflation so in in a sense they're being punished so it'll be interesting to see whether the minister has also secured any extra cash to help uh, crashes and those childcare centers and um, kind of cope with this and to education, I know the education minister, Norma Foley, she was looking for funding for free school books for second level. And according to reports, that does seem to be part of the budget today. It does, yeah. One, the Fianna Fáil side of the house are very excited about. So this came in last year, the first uh idea of this was free school books for all primary school children so each school was given 100 euro per student and they, to, in order to provide you know copy books and um, textbooks all this sort of stuff for primary school students so that parents wouldn't have to worry about this sort of thing it was hugely popular parents loved it and, and there's been great feedback from the politicians is what they're well, that's what the politicians are saying that there's been brilliant feedback from the parents and so they're pushing on with extending this into secondary school so it's going to come in for first second and third years in the junior cycle that'll kick in next September so kids going to school secondary school next September won't need to buy books they won't need to buy copy books calculators things like that stationery that'll all be provided by the school now there'll be some administrative difficulties there for principals and teachers but I think it's something the government are very keen to help parents on is that back to school cost. And uh, do we expect any more surprises out of this afternoon's budget? Well, it's been very well um, briefed, I suppose, over the past two days. But one thing that I think might um, may be a surprise is that this is the first time Michael McGrath is going to do a budget. And it's going to be the first time Fianna Fáil Minister is doing a budget since way back in 2010. And even the Taoiseach during the week, Leo Varadkar said he referred to the last three budgets as Donoghue budgets and that the next one would be a McGrath budget. So there is a very definite decision that there is a, a new man with his hands on the poor strings. And last week, a couple of the political reporters were invited to a press briefing by Minister McGrath just outside government buildings. It was a very wet day. It was lashing rain. And there was one clear clear message coming from Minister Gra that day and that was to dampen expectations speculation around the budget had started and he was really trying to dampen expectations and when I put it to him why are you trying to dampen expectations so close to the budget and he said well this is my first time as a finance minister doing a budget and I would rather people be surprised than let down by high expectations so I wonder is that a hint does Minister McGrath have a surprise up his sleeve for us today?
Well, we'll wait and see uh, from one o'clock today. We'll know all and everything that we're discussing will be clarified or indeed agreed by then. Uh, for the moment, Adam, will recap tomorrow and we'll 100% know tomorrow exactly what he has agreed and what will be delivered from one o'clock this afternoon. For the moment, thanks for joining us and the best of luck with your coverage today. Thank you very much. Take care. That is Adam Higgins there, political correspondent with the Irish Sun, who will rejoin us tomorrow on the back of what has been agreed and what will 100% be announced this afternoon in the budget. We've heard those leaks and people have been briefed on what is to be expected. And as I said, we'll know exactly from one o'clock when the chartered accountant from Passage West, Deputy Michael McGrath, Cork North or Cork South Central even, will be making his budget speech later from one o'clock in the Dáil and we'll have updates right across the afternoon on C103 News. Still to come on the Cork Today, uh, we'll be hearing about a new bill that was introduced within the last week to establish a domestic violence register. Uh, this would operate in the same way as a sex offenders register it's going to be known as Jennifer's Law and we're going to speak with Jennifer's brother Jason because Jennifer was stabbed to death by her ex-partner uh, and that is the reason the, the law is being named after her but also uh, Senator Fiona O'Loughlin who introduced the bill to the Shannon she will join us and are you having problems with your broadband provider? Did you purchase something in an electrical store it did not work and you can't get a refund? Well a new consumer TV show it's going to battle for the consumer they want to hear from you and the consumer affairs correspondent with the Irish Times Connor Pope will join us as he's one of those involved in that show that along with your calls and comments and we did hit the streets of Cork yesterday to find out what you wanted the people of Cork in budget 24 along with calls and comments uh, that's all ahead after C103 News at 11 with Barry next and you can email us right across the show email Cork today at c103.ie It's Cork today until 1JP with you Patricia uh, feeling under the weather on this Tuesday morning so JP until 1 and Bernie taking your calls and comments on 0818 103 103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 you can email across the show Cork today at c103.ie we spoke with Adam Higgins just before 11 he is the political correspondent with the Irish Sun ahead of the budget to be delivered at 1 o'clock today and a lot of calls and comments in following that first of all Moira who is saying she thinks that she's back in the Celtic Tiger era because she says the jaw-dropping figure has been bandied about generous handouts for everyone radio phone-ins lining up to ask will it go far enough we have become a nation says Moira of wingers with the handout looking for more no amount is never enough we paid our mortgage says Moira children's college fees and medical bills without any grants or anything and there was a cost of living crisis too in the 90s let's hope the splashing the cash won't end in tears like in 2009, says Moira on WhatsApp to 0862103103. While John is similar agreeing with her, saying, looking at some of the headlines today, we could be back in 2008. Are we going to make the same mistakes again? He welcomes the measures in the budget, but worries that are the same mistakes going to be made again, uh, just to keep a certain cohort of people in society happening. And maybe, just maybe, says John, looking for 
for votes. And on the energy credits, Liam and Bandon is asking how they will work. We were speaking with Adam, as I mentioned, and this is the, the various range of cost of living payments that are to be included in this budget. It looks like, anyhow, Liam, uh, the way they will work is there'll be three energy credits of 150 euros and it looks like they will start towards the end of this year obviously all of this will be confirmed later this afternoon and into the evening but that is the way it is looking at the moment anyhow uh, Liam thank you for your uh, WhatsApp to 0862103103 you can email across the show Cork today at c103.ie or indeed uh, you can send us a message via the C103 app download that now if you don't have that on your smartphone speaking of phones and smartphones a different side to the web is what we heard earlier from Orla Stewart. Uh, she told her experience of being in an online chat room and how she was forced to send nude photos to a man, unfortunately, that was never, ever caught uh, for his uh, dangerous act on the web. And she was highlighting the need for parents to monitor a child's online habits and uh, told us about a new online platform, which if things happen of a nature that should not happen online, you can share those harmful experiences on that. Somebody on WhatsApp saying well done to that uh, woman for talking about her experience on the internet. Uh, Actually today uh, is World Mental Health Day and this person says mental health issues affects 25% of the population at any one time so it's good to talk about things and that's exactly why Orla was first of all raising to talk but also to bring awareness to parents that this can happen. And uh, Sinead uh, also on text saying, Orla is just so brave to speak out on what happened to her. Uh, From a young age, you can totally understand why she did not want to give the information to her parents and why she did what she did. Uh, There are bad people out there and parents should know exactly what is happening with their child's devices. Also, it's good to hear such an age how a child will get around every possible method. Uh, So a mom, a dad or girl Guardian will not know what they are doing online by deleting apps and then reinstalling them. Uh, Sinead said never thought of that uh, option but it is as uh, Orla outlined so thank you Sinead for your text to 0862103103. Now back to the budget and while we spoke with Adam and we heard some of what will be uh, outlined later this afternoon at one o'clock, uh, we wanted to know what the people of Cork thought and what they want. Well, we have various emails coming into us on that and on what people feel should be changed. I'll get to those shortly. Uh, but our reporter, Stephen Fox, has been speaking to people in Cork ahead of the budget to see what they would like. First, he heard from those who would like to see a reduction when it comes to petrol and diesel costs. Big effective for me. I live at home so I have to drive in every single day and you know as college came back the price have been back up again just not a lot but they will be going up again at the end of with the budget I think and then in the next few weeks they're going up on top of that as well so just going up and up and up so like I don't live at home so I don't pay for that but I do have to pay for petrol every single week and you know I have I'm in college so I have an old ding of a car so that car needs hopping up and if I don't have if I have less money for petrol then and less money to fix the car so that's just a bit of you know on my mind and then you also have you know uh, wages uh, minimum wage is obviously a big factor for me. Petrol prices, yeah. definitely. Do you, do you live at home or do you live in... I live at home yeah. on a commute, yeah. Mm. yeah. So how much would you spend a week roughly just... 60, 60 euro a week on yeah. petrol, yeah. Yeah, it's like 190. 190. 190. Okay. Right. Yeah, where I come from anyway. How far are you coming in then? Uh, Kinsale. So, so, okay, so that's what, half an hour? Yeah, 20, yeah. half an hour. Oh, yourself? Uh, same thing or something different? Um, minimum wage, I suppose, mm. yeah. yeah. Andy. Do you work at the moment? Or yeah, you, yeah, just weekends. Okay, and you're, you're, you're obviously on minimum wage. It's 12... 
11 uh, something 11 yeah 11 something, something yeah and you, what, would you, what would you like to see it go up to um, <laughs> anything really yeah any increase would be nice probably a reduction in student fees yeah like they did last year yeah um, what kind of how would that look um, I think I think it was about grand last year. Yeah. That that they reduced. That's probably the thing that would affect yeah. students anyway the most. So what are they at at the moment? They're like three one. Three one fifty or something. Yeah. Like that, yeah. For uh, that's for an undergrad. Yeah. 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 And then so what? There was a reduction already last year, was it? Last year, yeah. so we paid full full uh, price, and then they re- they took it down like the grand around this time last year for the budget so hopefully they do that again more money put into student accommodation and just more student accommodation available because it's so hard to find accommodation have you managed to find accommodation yourself or? yeah but yeah. it's not been with UCC it's been private so it's harder to it's not sustainable for the students are there people you know that haven't managed already yeah, there's people I know who haven't been able to go to the course if they wanted to because there's no point in putting it first because they don't have accommodation for it tax credit for trade union membership uh, I mean, at the moment, it's really important that people join up trade unions. It's the only way that they can defend their rights at work, which are being constantly undermined as uh, businesses are trying to make more and more profit out of people. So the best way to, to prevent or to help that is with people joining trade unions. So, And if trade unions cost less, then more people will join up. I'd like to see the tax rates for overtime um, reduced for young people who are, would like to work more overtime to earn more money, but because they're taxed with 52% or 54%, it is um, they don't see it really that worth their while giving up their leisure time to uh, to earn extra money and they need the extra money but I think that would be a very good thing for the government to do I'd like to see the surplus that's coming from the corporate taxation side I'd like to see that used effectively which would either be paying down existing debt or also maybe involved in crucial infrastructure projects so while we have that money coming in to spend it wisely, particularly the corporate. Uh, that would be my particular wish. I don't think about the budget. As I said, we may get a raise today, but everything's going up tomorrow then. So what happens is you get it today and you're, you're delayed. It. Tomorrow then you're paying it back. And people are coming and saying, oh, sure, this is going up and that's going up. Well, a mixed bag there of what people want and do not want out of Budget 2024. Thanks to our reporter Stephen Fox, who was on the streets of Cork yesterday. Your views are welcome. Email corktoday at c103.ie and Maria an email regarding the child benefit. She feels that the child benefit should be extended up to the age of 21. With so many going to college, the costs and the fact young people cannot get to rent a home or even purchase a home. Many now are staying living with their parents so the costs remain with the family whereby parents, many of them feel that the child's, or well child their early, late, early teens uh, or late teens even and early twenties, uh, so maybe not considered a child anymore uh, but while they're living at home and they may be working part-time and going to college, parents feel they can't charge them rents as Anne-Marie and because of that a lot of the cost for running the home does fall back on the parents or indeed whoever is at home. So she feels extending the child benefit up to 21 or even 23. It shows the reality of what is happening in Ireland uh, with the cost of going to college or indeed the cost of just even travelling to work while many of those in their 20s remain living at home as they can't afford rent uh, or indeed to move out. Uh, Thank you, Anne-Marie, for your email. And also on email, Pat is uh, raising the issue uh, for pensioners of the free electricity allowance reduction. 
He feels that the allowance reduction for free electricity uh, in value over the past 10 years has reduced because each budget has failed to increase the free electricity allowance to match the massive increases in energy prices. And he attaches a summary of this and you can see this, that the annual free units, uh, they have been decreasing in value from 2011 right through until 2022. And the unit value back in 2011 was at €384. Euros. That's how much it was worth on average, uh, whereby last year in 2022, it was worth an average €117. Euros. That's for the annual free units. Uh, Pat feels the need to look at the free electricity units in uh, or allowances in the budget this year or indeed going forward for pensioners as they're not matching the huge increases in energy prices. Pat, thank you for your email. Your emails are welcome to Cork Today at c103.ie. And something totally different. Somebody's looking ahead to Christmas. Uh, Roger has been on to Bernie on the phone to 0818103103. Roger lives in West Waterford, but he wants to know what hotels are open to stay in over the Christmas period in West Cork. So any hoteliers or anybody who works in a hotel in the West Cork area that may know of this, what hotels are open over Christmas in West Cork? Roger in West Waterford wants to know. Let us know. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And ahead, we're going to hear about a new bill uh, that has been introduced. And this is to establish a domestic violence register, uh, which would operate in the same way as a sex offenders register. We'll hear more on that next. C103 Jobs. A full-time general operator for machining is wanted in Bandon. Full training will be provided. You can email jerkrane at gtc at reliancepresision.ie. A part-time fully qualified hairstylist is wanted to cover maternity leave in the Fremont area. Apply with your CV to Sandra. Dot cabincuts at gmail.com. An attire fitter is required for Balancholic. Experience is an advantage, but a driving full licence is needed, and indeed, a good English is essential. You can email your CVs to cavtires at gmail.com. You'll find all these details and more online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. Cork Today on C103. A new bill introduced proposes that domestic abusers be required to tell Gardaí if and when they start a new relationship. Jennifer's Law would be a domestic violence register designed to warn those who are in a relationship with someone who has a violent or abusive past. If the bill passes, it is named after Jennifer Poole and her brother Jason Poole now joins me on the line along later with Fianna Fáil Senator Fiona O'Loughlin. But first of all, hello to you, Jason, and good morning to you. Hi, John Paul, how are you? I'm fine and, and thanks for joining us. Um, this is something we've spoken about a lot on the show over the last number of years when it comes to domestic violence and there's a number of groups here in Cork and indeed across the country who do great work on this. And just to start with yourself on this, you outlined some of it there, but uh, this campaign is something you really have been in touch with those in Dáil Éireann and others over the last number of years uh, just tell us about your sister Jennifer uh, and unfortunately her, her death and the reason for this register. Yeah, Jennifer was uh, murdered in April 2021 um, by our ex-partner 
um, who had a history of domestic violence and had done time in prison for domestic violence offences as well as knife crime. Um, and we only this only all came to light, I suppose, when we were in court for his sentence and when his previous convictions were read out to us. And it really, it really made us think, I suppose, as a family, known Jennifer and known other other victims of domestic violence, that they wouldn't stand for that kind of behaviour if they knew that this person had a past. Jennifer would have not been in a relationship with Gavin Murphy if she had known his violent past. And it's 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 like we have in many other countries. We don't have access to that information in Ireland. So you potentially could be living with this person for years and you just think that this is normal. And it isn't normal. Um, and this register would allow victims to be able to contact the guards if they have seen red flags or if they are in an abusive relationship to go and find out if their partner has a previous. It allows them to have a little bit of ownership then of making that decision because a lot of women that we know of, as, as time has went on, they feel they're the people that's wrong and they're not the ones who are wrong. And again, this domestic violence register would allow the guards to give information to uh, victims. And I know sometimes this already happens, but there is no formal register. And it depends on the guard, it depends on the situation, and depends on the victim and the, the, where they are in relation to that relationship. So there's lots of, lots of things that it would, I suppose, it would benefit women and men um, if, if we had a domestic violence register. And in Jennifer's case, you know, Jennifer would still be here today if she was able to access that information because she didn't know the history of, of her perpetrator. She didn't know he had done time for domestic violence. She, she didn't know that that domestic violence led him to be in prison for a very similar offence in the past. So again, it's, a, it's an awareness as well for women into the future that they do have a, a register that they can link into and find out about the perpetrator's past and allow them to make that informed decision as to what they can do next. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, we have, it will be something similar, not totally, but something similar to the sex offender register. So, you know, it, sh- it should be in place for the reasons you outlined there. And you would have met Gavin, I'm sure, over the time with Jennifer. I mean, did anybody have any suspicions at that time? I suppose at the time, John paul we would have had very limited um, communication or, or opportunities because we were in lockdown, you know, and Jennifer worked in a nursing home, so she did kind of keep herself to herself in some ways because she was very protective of the people that she worked with um, and we would have seen him on a number of occasions that family, uh, you know, get-togethers and stuff like that. Um, but there was there was always those little red flags, I suppose. But at the time, as a family, we didn't know what they are, as most families don't. You know, they, they text them from the same room. She couldn't leave the room without her following her to another room. All of those things were, were drawing her from her friendship circle those little things we didn't really pick up on. We've seen them, but at the time, she always had another reason. She always had another reason for the little bruises that she had or the black eye that she had. She played camogie, so she was able to write some of those, um, I suppose, bruises and wounds off. But it was only afterwards, I suppose, as a family, when we sat down and we reflected on all of the things that we had seen and became aware of what domestic violence was, became aware that there was nothing there for victims in domestic violence situations that we, we kind of were researching and finding out, oh, this is a red flag, this is a red flag. And we actually built Jennifer's life story around all of these red flags that we weren't aware of at the time, but now we are. And this is why, I suppose, as a, as a family, we're campaigning, not only for Jennings Law, but to, for a range of different supports we put in place um, for to protect women and men into the future. Because it's, it's crazy how, you know, the guards reported in July this year that they deal with 126 domestic violence cases a day. 
to me, this is this is out of control, and we need to have. We do, and the minister is is working on you know the the, the domestic violence strategies, and we're we're seeing the commission come out in January, the new organisation. But is that enough? You know, it's there in theory, but if we have a register, it's the on the ground. It's the guards guards linking in with the victims on the ground, if the victim's been able to link into this register, like it is with the sex offenders register, or indeed if a, if a perpetrator has a past and they engage in a new relationship, that they inform the guards of that new relationship. Because it allows the guards then to continue to track them and it allows the guards to give that information if the victim was to need it into the future. Yeah, and you make a good point there, Ron, and I think a lot of us would be in the same situation. It's very hard for a family or indeed for friends to get involved in someone else's relationship and why you might think something might be going on. You know, it may not be. So no one's going to jump in and say, is X, Y and Z happening? And I think a lot of people could identify uh, with you all in that situation. And the way you speak about uh, Jennifer there and the way she worked in a nursing home, uh, I'd imagine a very caring person. Jennifer was one of the most caring people I knew, and she, you know, everybody knew her. She, there was nothing she wouldn't do for anybody. She was the outgoing, jolly, fun, loving person. But, but, but Jean Paul, we've seen the change, you know, afterwards when, when, you, when you're reflecting. We've seen she wasn't that happy go lucky anymore. She would get up in the morning, she'd just put the clothes on, she wouldn't even brush her hair. You know, we've we seen that other side prior to her death because he had really worn her out, he had really done really damage, not only in relation to the physical side of stuff, but the emotional side. And some people don't realise, you know, domestic violence doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be getting slapped every day. And that's what we're seeing when we're talking to victims. But he doesn't hit me. But there's the coercive control. It's the emotional side. It's the financial abuse. You know, and I, I'd ask your listeners that are listening today, or to family who may think there is something that is, is not right, to not turn a blind eye to it. To, to engage, to investigate a little bit more, to speak to the person, the family member, or to speak to the friends and see if they're okay. Because people are living with this for years and years and years and they don't feel they have anybody. And we hope that this register will be a stepping stone, along with the rest of the legislation, that this will be a stepping stone, as well as, as an educational piece. You know, education is the way forward because we're bringing up a generation of where we're seeing young lads and girls thinking it's okay to know where their partner is, to know where every movement, they're tracking them on social media. So there's a huge piece in education. Otherwise, these 126 calls a day are going to double. Yeah, and it's frightening to think that there is 126 domestic violence cases reported every day to the Gardaí. And when I interviewed Marie Mulholland, she does great work with the West Cork Against Women Domestic Violence Project. And to a lot of those who work in those situations, they're not too surprised at the level of calls Gardaí get. While it's shocking to us on the outside, if you want to put it that way, you know, people in the inside aren't too shocked at what happens. And uh, I suppose Jennifer's memory in a way will hopefully prevent this from happening again. Um, Jennifer's death, Jason, at the time, was it was 2021. We were kind of coming out of various lockdowns, as you mentioned there. Were you able to have a family funeral at that time for her? We were. We could have 25 people in the church um, at the day of Jennifer's funeral. But, you know, our family is a huge, huge family. And to be honest with you, if, if you were to just to Google Jennifer's funeral, the, the, the community of Finglas could not have done enough. Hmm. The business in the community closed, the roads were all closed, there was guards of honour everywhere. There was thousands of people at our funeral. And we, to this day, just cannot thank the community of Finglas, her GAA club, 
our workplaces, everybody came out to support us as a family. It was an extremely difficult situation because while all of that was going on, you were trying to give Jennifer the best funeral that she deserved. You were still being in court. You were still being interviewed by the guards. It was still a murder investigation that you were dealing with. And that, at the time, that's the bigger picture because that's what's not leaving you. You're still in, in shock that this has happened to your sister or your daughter or your or your niece or your you know your mother. But, you know, we'll never forget Jennifer. And I suppose the funeral and the, the way the community came around us that day particularly and, and the aftermath of it has been amazing. Her GAA club are amazing. Her memory lives on. Um, only last week her Camogie team won won their their, uh, their their league and the first place they went was to Jennifer's grave with her with her plaque and with her jersey. You know, she'll never she'll never be forgotten. But this piece of legislation will ensure that not only is Jennifer not forgotten, but that other women and men will have a register that they don't have their families ending up like their families did. Jennifer was failed by the justice system. He didn't do the time he was even given for the crime that he did. You know, so there's a huge, a huge onus, and the, the minister, in, in, in fairness to her, has extended that from five years to ten years. So people are listening, people are seeing that there's a need for a greater response to this. But it just means, like, since Jennifer said 18 other women have died, that's 18 more than that needs to happen. You know, there should not, this shouldn't be still happening. If we have the support, we have the right agencies. A lot of these agencies are voluntary and are doing amazing work on the ground, but they need the legislation. They need that act of peace happening at the top to be able to support them and their work at the bottom. Yeah, they do, and they're under enough pressure as it is at the moment as well. So uh, this law will be very welcome to get it in place and save those. Just stay on the line there, Jason, because Senator Fiona O'Loughlin uh, joins me, who we mentioned has introduced this bill to the Shannon. Good morning to you, uh, Senator O'Loughlin. And good morning to you, JP, and Jason, and indeed all of, all of your listeners. Um, we've been outlining there, as you would have heard with Jason, about this uh, law, which is now gone to the Shannon. But there is similar laws in place in England and Wales. There is. First of all, can I just pay a testament to Jason's strength and his bravery? Because obviously every time that Jason speaks about this, he has to relive the trauma that the the family have gone through, that Jennifer's two children went through. And I think he's just wonderful. He has been relentless as an advocate to try to ensure that the lives of other women or men in similar situations may be saved. So I, I think what he's doing is just incredible. So yes, the Jason, and, and as he mentioned, afterwards as a family, they started looking at legislation in other jurisdictions and Jason discovered that if Jennifer had lived in the UK or indeed if we had similar legislation that had been introduced in 2014 in the UK known as Clare's Law that then there was every possibility that Jennifer would not have been in the situation that she was in and we should not forget that she had the courage and she had the bravery to end that relationship because so many find it very difficult to end and come out of that relationship. But her murderer was very manipulative in terms of how he got back into her apartment and she had left and thought that he was gone again and went back in and within seven seconds her life had been snuffed out of her. But going back to the legislation, basically the, this domestic 
violence offenders register had been set up similar to the sexual offenders register. So that's one of the areas that Jason has concentrated on along with a number of other measures. So when I first got to meet Jason, got to listen to his story along with my parliamentary party colleagues in Fianna Fáil, I really felt that we had a duty as legislators to listen, to learn and to try to bring in similar legislation in Ireland. Obviously, in terms of trying to stop domestic violence, we have to look at prevention, protection, prosecuting, prosecution and policy coordination. So this is really around the prevention and protection piece. And we, I had the opportunity to work with Jason and with Deputy Jim O'Callaghan, who's our justice spokesperson, to work on a robust piece of legislation that I was fortunate and, I have to say, humbled to introduce last Wednesday in the Shannad. So we got through first stage and we're looking for second stage now before Christmas and then that will go to committee stage, hopefully. And I really want to see this on the statute books in our country to help to try prevent further tragedy and further situations where women or men would be murdered by somebody who in the past had committed a domestic violence offence. And as it's going through, will this work in Ireland with our current GDPR laws? There is a concern in relation to our GDPR. So what I have put into the bill that there is, that the, the minister, once enacted, that the minister would have six months to bring forward a report in relation to the right to ask and the right to know. And that has been introduced in England. So basically that would mean that somebody who has a concern and and we actually extended that to family members in the piece of legislation that I introduced, not just the individual but family members because sometimes the person who is in the centre of this does not realise that they are being controlled and family members can actually see the red flags that are there so that they can have the right to ask and the right to know. At the moment, under legislation presently, the situation would be that the perpetrator of be it the, the sex offence crime or the domestic violence that we have introduced would have a duty and a responsibility to inform the police, the guardie, where they're living. And if they move you know, to, to another area, it, it's down to them to inform. Now, obviously, when you're in a situation where you're relying on the perpetrator to inform the Gardaí, that is a slight concern. We need to have a national database. At the moment, it's not on a national register. It's basically a number of registers in different individual Garda stations. So I absolutely think that there is more that can be done to refine and because this is a private member's bill, introduced by myself. We don't have the resources that government have. So we're totally open to amendments uh, from government, from others, to try to make this a better piece of legislation. But I think no matter what, having it on the statute books and having it there to help better protect those in these situations has to be a good and a positive thing. And we have Jason to thank for that. So in Jennifer's honour, we call this Jennifer's bill, which would then become Jennifer's law.
And just when you're outlining there how this would work, if someone is convicted, for example, of domestic violence, if we put it that way, would they then automatically end up on this register? Or are we still yeah. in the situation? Oh, they would automatically, okay. They, they, they would automatically, but then if they move to another jurisdiction under the, the present uh, sex offenders register legislation, they have a duty. Now, I'm, I have no doubt that in many cases, uh, Gardaí are liaising with one another in relation to issues such as this, and they, that may well advance that, but under the current legislation, um, the responsibility does lie with the perpetrator. But that would change under Jennifer's law when that does come about? The, um, n- not necessarily. At this point in time, it's similar to the current legislation. But within the law, we have that the minister has to do, has to commission research and report back within six months in relation to that right to know and, um, and, and the right to ask. So as part of the legislation, we're hoping that that will come in after a six-month period. Okay, yeah, because I suppose would you be confident enough if someone was capable of doing something like domestic violence that's if they the would, you know, yeah, yeah, if they would yeah. tell a guardian, Yeah, that's you know. absolutely, Jeffy, that's the concern. So while I think this is an important step and a significant step, this isn't obviously going to solve the, all the problems that are there. We need to keep working. We need to keep refining. We need to keep improving our legislation to try to protect those that are vulnerable. And Fiona, you mentioned the, the various stages there in getting the bill through the channel and getting it passed and going to committee stage. When then would it be next year or roughly a timeline of when this would become it, law? Well, there's there's five stages that this would need to go through. And, the, the you know, and then there is that possibility of doing uh, pre-legislative scrutiny. So if it went to the committee, which more than likely it would, to a justice committee, they have the opportunity to examine and again to refine and to make uh, suggestions and amendments. So that possibly would lengthen it. Um, But I think it's important that whatever piece of legislation would come in, that it would be robust, that it would stand up to scrutiny and that it would stand up then to the possibilities of obviously people taking cases um, against it. So it's important to get it right. So while we're comfortable with the piece of legislation that we introduced, obviously not having the resources that the Department of Justice would have, that the Minister would have, there's no doubt that, you know, having experts looking at it, scrutinising it and trying to make it better would indeed be a welcome thing. So that possibly would lengthen out. But I would think if this is accepted by the minister and goes through those stages, this time next year we could have it in place on the statute book. And Jason, for yourself, I mean, a lot of people are in contact with us saying how brave you were for you and a family to, you know, come forward, tell Jennifer's story and go ahead and get this in place so other women and other men will be uh, protected in the years ahead and that this won't happen to somebody else's sister. Uh, how are yourself, how are you doing, Jason, and your family while all this is going on? You know, you're still missing your sister. Yeah, it's it's a very difficult situation, John Paul, but I think... You know, we've we've been involved in lots of different pieces over the last two years. We've we had a documentary that aired in Crime Investigation there last Monday, and we've a, a documentary in Jennifer's name coming out with TG Carr before Christmas. And again, it's 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 
it's not how I suppose it helps us, but it helps us to to be able to help other people. No one really knows, I suppose, the grief that you go through when you've lost a loved one through the circumstances that Jennifer did. Um, and we'll never get over that. But it's about how we learn to live with it. And I think for us, trying to make a difference and trying to make a change and so that other families don't have to sit in those courtrooms like we had to, that other families don't have to go through the trauma that we had to go through through the justice system. And at the end of it all, you know, your perpetrator gets life sentence, which is 18 to 20 years in Ireland. We'll never get Jennifer back. He'll have his life back in 20 years. So we're trying to ensure that this is where our peace lies. We won't get Jennifer back, but we'll have a legacy in her name and a legacy that will protect other women and men into the future. And that's what makes us get up every day. Oh, well, Jason, uh, w- well done for, for speaking up and for going this far to get this law in place. Um, and again, our, our, our condolences to you, but thinking of your, your family and yourself, Jason, thank you for speaking thank out you. and thank you for joining us this morning on the programme. And also, <coughs> Senator Fiona Lachlan, thank you for joining us as well this morning. Thank you. Take care to you both. Very welcome. Thanks, JP. Take care. That is Senator Fiona Lachlan and indeed Jason Poole on behalf of his sister there. uh, The campaign underway and the bill now going through the stages for Jennifer's Law, uh, preventing that ever happening again to somebody else in this country. Our lines are open 0818 103 103. You can text or indeed WhatsApp 0862 103 103 on the way next. A new TV show that is going to battle for the consumers. We'll be speaking with the consumer affairs correspondent with that new show uh, from the Irish Times, Connor Pope, who is always dealing with various issues when it comes to consumer affairs. We'll uh, chat to him next. Court today on C103. A new TV show is looking for people to get in touch as they battle for the consumer. Connor Pope is the consumer affairs correspondent with the Irish Times and is also one of the team of investigators for this new show, which will air on RTE and Connor joins us this morning. Good morning to you, Connor. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. Now, this new show is designed to tackle any type of consumer problem and this could be, for example, someone who has an issue with their broadband provider, which we get a lot here on the show, uh, whereby not their own fault, but their provider decides to cut off their broadband and then they can't get it back on. So those type of circumstances you're looking to hear from people. Basically, yeah. It's almost every single problem that your listeners will have encountered, be it with broadband providers or tour operators or airlines or banks or whatever it might be. Because the reality is that we are confronted by these kinds of problems every single day. Now, I've been doing this kind of thing for the Irish Times for donkey's years now, and I am inundated with with complaints and queries and problems from our readers. And the, the problems are so similar and what it does is it reflects a, a real lack of customer care and customer support for people. So what this program wants to do is it wants to challenge all of those big companies and say, okay, you have let this person down or you have let that person down or you have broken your promise or your commitment to this person and we are going to intercede on their behalf. And I, that's why I think it's really important that your listeners get involved because we want to empower the people who are listening to your show and we want to give them a voice and say, listen, you are not powerless when it comes to dealing with these big these big businesses and we want to hold those businesses to account. So it's not just me, obviously, because there's a big team involved. So there's Owen McGee and a lot of your listeners will know Owen. He's a financial planner and he's a television presenter. So he's kind of, kind of going to be like the taskmaster um, 
and he's going to give myself and Amy Malloy from the Irish Independent and Siobhan Maguire, who also works with the Irish Independent, tasks every single week. So we will both we will all be given a problem to try and resolve on behalf of one of the viewers and hopefully on behalf of one of your listeners. And we will go off and we will try and fix that problem. And sometimes the problems might be might see somebody down a huge amount of money, and sometimes they might just see someone losing their will to live by spending hours and hours on hold trying to get a problem like their broadband connection resolved or like getting some other issue sorted out. And interesting, you had an article yesterday in the Irish Times just about how those businesses who put their customers first are now seeing a greater profitability because I presume those customers are staying longer with that company. And it would be something I would do. I have dealt with phone companies and broadband companies over the years and electricity companies whereby, you know, if they make a mistake, Connor, or if they decide to cut you off or, or treat you badly and you can't get through to them by any method whatsoever, you will stick with the company who treats you well. And even though if you're paying another 20 or 30 euro uh, more, you prefer to stay with them because you know you'll have a service. Listen, 100%. And the thing is, mistakes happen. Mistakes happen all of the time. But it's not so much the fact that a mistake has happened or a company has, the service has broken down. It's how a company resolves that problem that is the real measure of a company. So there's some businesses out there that are excellent and there's some out there that are routinely failing their customers. And ultimately, I think we should be holding those companies to account. And we should be saying, this is not good enough. And it would bring me no great joy to highlight the particular failings of company A or company B or company C. But it is important to show them that there are consequences when they let their consumers down, when they let their paying customers down. And I think that's what the essence of this show is about. It's about saying, we will fight your corner and we will show these big businesses that if they let you down in some kind of egregious fashion or if they just betray their tr- your trust, that we will hold them to account. Because too often, individual consumers like me and like you and like all of your listeners are left to feel disempowered and we're just hanging on the telephone, waiting, praying that someone will answer the phone. And one of the reasons why they treat us so badly, and I say they because it's not just one or two or three companies, it's lots of companies. And one of the reasons why they treat us so badly is they know they can get away with it. And they shouldn't be getting away with it because we should be more forceful in taking them on. But the reality is that every one of your listeners is leading a busy life and it, it can be sometimes really challenging to, to invest all that time and emotional energy in getting something resolved. And I think one of the depressing things is, I think, a lot of companies have it built into their business model that they will offer a poor level of customer care in the hope that some of the people who are contacting them will just give up and go away and continue paying for a shoddy service or will continue to allow themselves to be overcharged just because making contact with the company is too difficult. Yeah, I think you're, you're you're right there and you really have to persist and persist to get what you want if there is a problem. Are you also on this TV show, Connor, going to look into the various scams now that are doing the rounds out there and people uh, maybe getting caught as a result of a certain scam? Well, I mean, the, 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 the remit of the programme is really broad. And what we want to do is we want to fight the consumer's corner. And that can be with anything. So it can be with a builder, it can be with an energy provider, it can be with a telecom provider, or indeed it can be with a scam artist or a criminal. Because as you know and all your listeners know, we are absolutely cursed by the blight of scam artists. But one of the things about that that I think is interesting is that far too often all of the responsibility and all of the blame for the scams is put on the victim. 
So if I inadvertently follow a link to, to eFlow or DPD or on Tusk or whatever it might be, and a criminal manages to con me and get access to my bank account, the only person who pays the price for that typically is me, the consumer, or me, the victim. Now, I, w- I would imagine, Ted, if we were to put it up to all of the telecoms providers and social media platforms and banks and say, listen, guys, you have a level of responsibility here too. Well, I think if we were to make it financially costly for them to allow these scam artists to use their systems with impunity, well, then I think they'd bring them under control a lot faster than if they just constantly say, lads, it's all the victim's fault, blame the victim, the victim is the problem here. And the reality is that when it comes to scams, it's not the victim because the criminals are getting very, very clever and they're using all sorts of technologies that we don't understand to get us to part with our money. And it's simply not fair. Yeah, and they're getting very savvy and they know who to target and who not to target as well. Uh, so whether it's housing, tech, travel, motoring or whatever, you're there to help. And if people wish to get involved, it's IndiePix are producing the programme for RTE. You can email your story and indeed your contact details to consumer at IndiePix.ie. And then hopefully Connie, yourself, Amy, Siobhan and Owen will be able to uh, help them out and get whatever uh, system uh, and refunds or <laughs> broadband cut off back for the person in question. 100% and I look forward to hearing from your listeners because we'd like to help them. Hopefully, well, hopefully you get a good response on this one. I think you will. Uh, there's so much going on at the moment in that line of work. For the moment, Connor, uh, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Best of luck with the show. That is Connor Pope there, who is the Consumer Affairs Correspondent with the Irish Times. And again, if you want to get involved in that show, if you are having problems uh, with maybe your provider for electricity or if it's to do with anything at all, uh, consumer-wise, email consumer at indiepix.ie. On the way, after midday, your calls and comments on the various issues we have been discussing this morning. It's Cork Today, JP, with you until one. Bernie standing by, taking your comments right now on 0818 103 103. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. You can email across the programme and indeed across the afternoon, Cork Today at c103.ie. And earlier we spoke regarding the budget that will be delivered in about 45 minutes time by Cork South Central Deputy Michael McGrath. Uh, the Finance Minister will deliver uh, the budget and we spoke earlier about what is expected out of the budget this afternoon and we'll have further reaction on that tomorrow when everything is clarified but one person early, and a few actually people not just one a number of people were in touch uh, one of them was Moira and she was pointing out about the fact that there was a cost of living crisis in the 90s and that she was re- rearing her uh, children then and you know they had to pay for health care and, and everything else that goes with rearing a child and running a home and there wasn't all the handouts there was then that there is today and she's just making the point that if you look back to around 2008 and 2009 when the budgets then were similar to today even though everybody knew the economy may be changing and things weren't looking great on the horizon they still gave a budget for all and she just had concerns as did a number of other people who have been in touch with us across the course of the morning. Well someone reacting to Moira's text, uh, this uh, is coming in from a WhatsApper who says uh, has that person Moira ever received a handout from anyone and did she ever get children's allowance when her children were growing up at everyone's expense she and her husband must have been blessed with good health so someone realising that Maura did she get children's allowance was not that a handout but I think Maura is making the point that there's so many various allowances today than there was in the 90s and the fact of her main point of going back to 2009 when many people knew what was going to happen in 2010 if you look towards the horizon and look to other countries across the world like now their economy 
economies aren't too strong. Uh, we can see the corporation tax here in Ireland is reducing and that was her fear. I know we had other calls from John and others who agreed with Moira and felt that that was her, her main point, I suppose. But Danny says uh, regarding the budget, yes, this budget will benefit everyone, but Danny uh, hopes it won't have a negative impact next year if the country takes a turn for the worst when it comes to the economy. Uh, that's Danny's view on that. And Mary says you can't win. You have people this morning who fear for the future of the economy in this country and they now think there's too much to be given away in the budget. While if they did not give away a lot in this budget or even brought in some cuts, uh, people would be giving out as well. So regarding the budget, no one will ever win uh, with uh, their decisions. And Barry is on the City North side, uh, as is Kate as well. Barry is asking about the living alone allowance and Kate is asking about the fuel allowance. Well, there is going to be a lump sum payment. Uh, first of all, for the feud allowance, the lump sum payment is €300. Euros, and then for uh, those living alone, it will be €200. Euros. That is expected this afternoon. Of course, nothing uh, has been said yet, but that is what is expected this afternoon out of the budget for those allowances. We'll have more tomorrow on that. Uh, thank you for your calls and texts in relation to the budget. More of those to come. But uh, something uh, different and this is to do with household chores because uh, hoovering it seems has been voted the most relaxing chore who knew hoovering uh, in a survey of over 2,000 people uh, they also found that hanging clothes on the clothesline or watering plants were some of the most calming tasks to do around the home now the research by this was carried out by eBay and they found 6% like to unwind by building flat pack furniture not too sure how you would be unwinding with a flat pack but anyway people do anyhow we were out and about and we asked these people about their favourite household chores I suppose Arne and I kind of, I find ironing quite relaxing probably put on the TV um, watch a show do my ironing yeah I find that a bit of me time as well while getting a bit of housework done I find that quite relaxing definitely I'll probably wash the dishes but that's it I hate hoovering gardening I would do that in a day like this well, gardening for many can be relaxing, but uh, yeah, your views are welcome on that. What are your favourite household chores? Uh, let us know. Ironing was mentioned there as well in that Vox Pop. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Now, Sally uh, was in touch earlier this morning on WhatsApp, and this is a relation to something she wants to bring to our attention regarding the Bantry Mental Health Hospital, uh, which uh, Sally says is due to close next week for refurbishment. Uh, Sally says staff knew nothing about this until it came out and as of now a percentage of staff that work there still have not been informed about what's going on or where they will be redeployed not to mind where the service users will be moved to now Sally says it's an absolutely a disgrace to think that these hospital services in the West Cork area and that this will happen over the next while, uh, they've had plenty of chances to update the facility all along, i.e. Uh, single en suite throughout uh, the mental health services. Sally Fields always comes seconds uh, when it comes to health services in this country and indeed uh, the health service in relation to Bantry. Uh, Sally, thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. Well, on that, what is happening within uh, that mental health facility in Bantry? Um, and I was, I was reading this and we have uh, contacted the HSC and we have also contacted the group that look after Bantry Hospital for a statement with regards to this but I know Jackie Keogh was writing a piece as well in the Southern Star over the last day or so 
and that mental health unit which we have spoken about last summer on the programme because uh, there was a report into this unit and they were going to be reducing beds there uh, at the time I think it was from uh, 18 to 11 to meet the various uh, statutory re- regulations uh, regarding the uh, adequate personal space and privacy for residents in a facility like this but the mental health unit it is going to close for four months and it's part of a refurbishment project that is going to be roughly in the cost of 2.5 million euros now the unit, as many in the area will know, is on the grounds of Bantry Hospital. It's going to close at the end of January next year to allow to complete these refurbishment works. Uh, and indeed, the first floor facilities are going to be refurbished on in that particular facility. Now, while many people are concerned about the closure, uh, it will reopen. I think there's a fear locally that it will be closing permanently. But everybody, including the HSC, is saying, no, this will reopen. Now, we will go back to this uh, over the next few days on the show but just to outline what is happening the refurbishment uh, this follows the Mental Health Commission report this came out as a recommendation of course last year Uh, we discussed it last year we discussed it earlier this year as well regarding as I mentioned the number of beds within the facility now funding for this project then was announced in July and the HSE then issued a statement regarding this because at the time the bed number at the centre would reduce to 15 but then would revert to 18 when the work was completed and a number of the local uh, TDs in Cork Southwest today have been assured that the centre will reopen again at full capacity uh, by next January. So to close over the next number of, of weeks it would, I would imagine, as I said, we'll get more on this uh, over the coming days uh, but the, the unit which always has been a concern but I think in general these kind of hospitals are, are like Bantry and Mallow there's always a concern over the future of these hospitals and, and that's why there's a worry when anything like this happens uh, the HSC has said that they have informed uh, that they are going to refurbish the units in question uh, and indeed the patients then uh, would be informed on this now Sally is saying that as yes that she feels that many of the patients and indeed staff are are in are, are, are known of where indeed they will be going to once this facility closes but a HSE spokesperson has said the centre and Bantry needs substantial building and renovation works and these works will allow us to continue to provide a quality service at the centre into the future and to meet our regulatory obligations in a statement from the HSC we are awaiting a statement from the group uh, that run the hospital service in Bantry uh, so We'll stay on top of this one. We'll uh, wait and get more information over the while, but it does seem that it will close for four months um, and that the the unit on the grounds of Battery Hospital will close until the end of January. That's the latest on that uh, to allow for these uh, facilities to be refurbished. Your views are welcome. Uh, I'm not too sure what actually is going to happen to the service users, users or where indeed they will be moved to or, or are they moved to a separate part of the hospital. We'll await that when we get further details from the HSC and indeed from the group that run Bantry Hospital. But Sally, thank you for your uh, calls and comments on that. Uh, our welcome 0818103103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. 
The Pike Theatre Group in Ballincollig, they are holding their monthly screw-up that's going ahead this evening. It's going ahead at Ballincollig Rugby Club in Tanner Park. It starts there at 8.30 and the Westgate Foundation Choir will perform some of their songs tonight there in Ballincollig. The Marion Hall in Ballinhasic are holding a fundraising clothing collection that goes ahead every Tuesday and Thursday night from 7 until 8.30pm and again on Saturday afternoons from 2.30 until 4 o'clock but they are starting tonight with the fundraising clothing collection at the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic. And the Voices of Cork Choir are holding an open rehearsal that's going ahead tomorrow night, Wednesday at St. Patrick's School on Gardner's Hill at 7.15pm. Everybody is welcome to go along. And Ballygarvin Community Association Outdoor Christmas Market is now taking stall bookings. The market takes place at Ballygarvin Community Centre and that goes ahead on Sunday, November 26th from 11am to 2pm. You can check stall availability or indeed contact Elaine on 087-295-1063 or visit Ballygarvin Community Association on Facebook. And Town GAA, they will host the meet and greet on this coming Friday evening from 6 until 7.30pm in the Town GAA complex. And this is in preparation for the Senior A Hurling County Final on Sunday, the 22nd of October. So why not go along and wish them well and get your photograph or indeed an autograph with the players or maybe have a pucker on with them. That's all going ahead this Friday evening in Town GAA. If you want to include your event in the Cork Diary, you can do so by email. Email us the details diary at c103.ie. Cork today on C103. And earlier we were hearing about how some people, anyhow, found it relaxing if they were hanging out the clothes or indeed watering the plants when it came to household chores. And we were asking, what were your favourite household chores? Well, Sheila says her favourite chore is cleaning the teaspoons with bread soda. Oh, and she has any worries that's what she does so hello to you Sheila and John says he enjoys out in the garden cutting the hedges doing the lawns he does find it in his words therapeutic and he enjoys it it does relax him he feels even though it is tough work he doesn't feel like it does feel tough to him thank you John and thanks to 0862103103 while Elizabeth loves hoovering she says I can't get enough of it my husband's always giving out to me because every morning when I get up I get the hoover out and I start to vacuum the hallway and the living room he says our house is so clean you'll be able to eat off the floors next but I enjoy hoovering and I think the place looks better for it so that there you go Elizabeth uh, thank you on WhatsApp to 0862103103 your favourite household chores are those that you feel you relax uh, with anyhow and thanks to a texter who was saying uh, be careful because there are, they are unfortunately as we mentioned with Connor Pope earlier a number of scam texts doing the rounds the latest one is uh, claiming to be from AIB you get a text and they say they want to look into your account or maybe you're due a refund and I see another uh, text as well just coming in now regarding that so be careful if you're getting a text claiming to be from AIB uh, it more than likely is not from AIB so if you are getting those on your phone today just be careful that just a number of texts in the last while have come into us. Now, uh, over the last uh, 15 minutes or so, this has happened. And now, the host for the UEFA Euro 2028 is United Kingdom and the Republic of Ireland. 
That's the moment the UEFA president Alexander Sheffrin confirmed Ireland will host a major international football tournament for the first time. We spoke uh, with our soccer correspondent Trevor Welch last week on this when it was known that Turkey was withdrawing and that really only left Ireland and the UK's bid unopposed and this morning the announcement was uh, confirmed uh, by UEFA. So representatives from the uh, five nations involved uh, they went along and they still though even though they knew there were the only ones left uh, a, a presentation had to be made to UEFA's executive committee that was made and they were given the go ahead so two stadiums here uh, on the island of Ireland will host matches so they will be the Aviva at Lansdowne Road in Dublin and Caseman Park in Belfast and why Caseman Park has a lot of question marks over it at the moment because of course uh, it's more or less in ruins and there's weeds growing in the middle of the pitch and everything uh, many of those though in in Northern Ireland, I know here in, uh, on Teacher Glear Varadkar has said uh, the, the government in Dublin will also contribute to that so that Caseman Park will be up and running uh, for the tournament for Euro 2028. But uh, outside of Ireland, of course, there are six other venues in England, Scotland and Wales, two stadiums in London, and that goes down to population and then stadiums right across England, Scotland and uh, indeed Wales. Uh, and the reason there's not two stadiums in Dublin or why there isn't a stadium in Cork is because uh, of population. And they chose Dublin for the Republic of Ireland uh, with the facilities already there when it comes to the Aviva. And then you also have uh, Caseman Park in Belfast when that actually is uh, up and running and done, even though a lot of people... In the sporting world, a lot of uh, soccer commentators have come out and said this will give them the push to do up a Caseman Park and get the money involved. So it looks like it will be going ahead there. Uh, and I know a lot of talk last week on Crow Park and why that wasn't chosen. Well, I suppose the Aviva is the obvious choice. Uh, Crow Park was mentioned. There would be works, though, needed to be done. Uh, regarding Hill 16 uh, that would not pass the UEFA rules and they would have to put permanent seating in there uh, whether that would have been done if, if it was chosen but for the moment because it's one stadia uh, per city outside of London due to the population it is going to be the Aviva in Dublin so there we are some good news uh, the Euro 2028 uh, will be coming to Ireland uh, after that announcement made this morning in Switzerland you'll hear more about that I'm sure over the coming days on the way, we're going to be joined next by our regular show, Councillor Joe Heffernan. You would have seen the recent reports and surveys regarding gambling in this country. We'll discuss the issue and addiction of gambling next. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. Cork today on C103. And final few comments on the budget. This is from someone on WhatsApp, first of all, who says when we mentioned about the child benefit increasing earlier uh, when discussing it with the political correspondent Adam Higgins of the Irish Sun, uh, somebody here is saying, I know a lady who was delighted with the upcoming child benefit increase. Uh, she is looking forward to five nights in Portugal for the midterm with her husband and her four children. She says it's a nice top up as she describes it. It's infuriating though for others. Uh, uh, that's a WhatsApp in. Somebody not happy with that. And then on your favourite chores. Well, uh, this person is saying, my favourite job is watching my dishwasher wash my wear. <laughs> Indeed, anybody who has a dishwasher will probably agree. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. Now let's join our regular show councillor as we do every Tuesday, Joe Heffernan. Good afternoon to you, Joe. 
Good afternoon, JP. And this week we're going to discuss gambling and the addiction of gambling. And Joe, you'll be aware over the recent few days, a lot of reports out and surveys in connection with gambling. And it would seem, Joe, where the addiction most falls is to males and males in their 30s. And I suppose gambling these days can be done in so many ways with smartphones and devices. Well, yeah, but the, the figures were startling that gambling is a problem for one in 30 adults in Ireland, uh, much higher than previously uh, thought. Um, which uh, That figure to me was um, astounding. And apparently when one does the maths on that, it equates to 130,000 adults with problem gambling in Ireland. And problem gamblers then, on average, would spend more than 1,000 per month uh, on gambling. And another fact that came out in that ESRI study was that one in four 16-year-olds in Ireland have gambled for money at some point in time. Um, So, yeah, um, uh, we've always, um, whenever we've mentioned the... um, the situation with gambling, um, we've identified that there can be an extremely serious, serious problem. But um, those figures, I think, are a bit startling. Yeah, especially at 16 years old, getting involved, because you're kind of hooking someone at a a young age into gambling for life, really, then, aren't you? Yeah, and I mean, one of the biggest sources of gambling now would be online. And as we all know, younger people are more inclined to, um, you know, spending time online than the older people. But the uh, the 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 age that mostly was reported on um, for problem gambling would have been males in their thirties. And that's the thing, Joe, compared to a number of years ago, you mentioned they're online with the apps now. A male in his 30s could be sitting at home uh, either with a partner or or, or whatever and gambling and betting on horse racing or whatever type of racing on their phone without really anybody knowing. Whereas before they would have had to go into a booking shop or physically go somewhere. Now you don't have to do that. So I suppose today we have to look at the the signs and indeed the symptoms uh, that could lead to someone becoming a compulsive gambler. Absolutely, yeah. So, like, what are the things to kind of look out for? We'll get into more definitive uh, um, compulsive or uh, problem gambling um, uh, a little later, but people gaining a thrill from taking big gambling risks. You know, we're back to what we talked about last week, um, the buzz. The, the buzz from an addictive event um, or substance. Uh, taking increasingly bigger gambling risks, like that, um, just to pick a number, that where a tenor uh, used to um, uh, give the buzz, as it were, that, um, that that no longer does. So, okay, we're on to 20, we're on to 50, we're on to 100. And there can be a preoccupation with gambling. In other words, like a person isn't really present, um, even though that physically they're present. They're, the, the head is elsewhere. The head is on um, A, B, or C, bets, etc., um, rather than um, uh, being genuinely 
present. Um, reliving past gambling experiences. Um, we've always found, I think, with people who are into gambling, you'll hear about the wins, but you'll very seldom hear about the losses. And, um, and of course, uh, the time that I won the big bet would always be um, uh, remembered and would be um, a spur on for maybe I can do that again. And, like, gambling can be a way to escape problems. Um, you know, life events that are getting one down, um, feeling guilty about something, feeling depressed, um, you know, a, a, a bet can be uh, used as a means of um, focusing the attention elsewhere away from the uh, the difficult situation. So a kind of escapism, which again would be um, uh, relevant to all um, uh, addictions. Uh, taking time from work or family life to gamble, you know, slipping away in the afternoon or, um, uh, you know, uh, going to the bathroom with the mobile phone and um, uh, maybe indulging in, in, in gambling that way. Yeah, um, or indeed, Joe, I suppose on that one, uh, with technology ever expanding and changing, maybe zoning out from a family, even sitting around the, the, the table or sitting in the living room, just zoning out and looking at where can I place my next bet? When is the next horse race? When is the next whatever race? Without a doubt, I was talking to a young man some years ago and he would be sitting in the in the sitting room at home and, uh, you know, the man or dad or both um, uh, and himself would be watching um, something on TV, but he'd be tapping away at his phone, and he would have been gambling, and um, and that became really problematic. He had an awful lot of hard work done in his young life. He had a lot of money saved for college, and um, the whole lot went. Um, how it came to light was he... He needed to go to his parents and say, look, I need money for college this year. And, um, of course, the question got asked, well, what happened to all that college money that you had saved? And then he had to uh, open up about his gambling. And um, they would um, wisely have suggested that he come and talk to someone and um, uh, I, I remember well talking to that young man. But it's just like that picture you painted, sitting in the room with the parents, watching, okay, whatever, um, the late, late show, but not really watching the late, late show at all, gambling. So um, another thing that I would have heard from many people that I would have spoken to who had a, a problem with, with, uh, with gambling would have been borrowing money from friends, um, you know, owing money here, there, and everywhere, including um, uh, loans from institutions like, I don't know, the bank, the credit union, whatever. Um, and, uh, and, and, and people who would have spoken uh, with me about their uh, problem gambling would have said that they had made several efforts to cut back. Um, so it's seldom like that gambling becomes a problem with the very first bet, but it can be 
um, a big incentive. Um, uh, there was one person telling me that they did a bit. They could remember the whole thing. Many, many years ago, way back in history, um, I remember old Tom won the Lincoln race and um, uh, I think it was called the Spring Double. Old Tom won the the the, the Lincoln and um, uh, I can't remember the name of the horse um, uh, that won the uh, uh, the the Grand National that year, but uh, like I think a bit of something like five shillings um, uh, got a return of something like a hundred and fifty pounds, and that was it. Like this was one way of easy money, just like the name of Declan Lynch's book about gambling, which he called Easy Money. And of course, you remember the book Tony Ten, and yeah. um, you interviewed. Um, we did. Uh, yeah. The, the man at the source of that. Um, yeah. So, and it um, shows, I suppose, how a, a frequent gamble uh, that somebody would take, it can turn into then uh, more gambling. And if they get a few big wins, uh, that can lead to a, a life-changing event, really, because their gambling really gets more serious and then it has a knock-on effect with other parts of their life if it gets out oh, of control. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would be one of the, one of the regular sources of... Um, uh, marriage breakdown, um, breakdown of relationship, uh, family relationships with parents or whatever, um, you know, with the the borrowing and the lying, and and all of that, and uh, and as you said earlier, the 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 one of the big problems with problem gambling um, would be that it can be so easily hidden. I mean, a person doesn't. Um, uh, you know, smell of alcohol or be a bit out of it with um, A, B or C, <clears throat> it can be a very hidden addiction. And so, if things are getting out of hand, I mean, the, the, the various solutions that are out there, I mean, uh, a lot of texts come in from people, is there somewhere they can go if they realise that they know the relationship is being affected by someone who has a gambling problem? Well, without a doubt, um, the uh, the... The, the website that I mention uh, regularly would be iacp.ie and there's a, you can click there on find a counsellor and you'll always find someone that geographically isn't uh, 100 miles from your own front door. So iacp.ie. Now, a wonderful organisation. Um, I haven't a number on top of my head. Um, would be a GA, which is Gamblers Anonymous. The same as Narcotics Anonymous is a brilliant uh, fellowship for um, uh, narcotics, drugs. Um, AA, of course, we've all heard of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, for um, alcohol um, addiction. And um, and then there's GA for, for gambling. And these are brilliant altogether from the point of view that people have gone in the door and thought that the meeting was arranged specifically for them because they would identify so much with the with what the other people uh, in the room are are actually saying. But how does one know? And if there's anyone listening who's wondering, how how does one know if their gambling is um, out of control or getting out of control? Well, um, there are six. Um, 
things that I would like to mention in that line. Uh, the first one being, if it's affecting your relationships, your finances, our work, our school or college life. That, that, that would be the, the first one. The second would be that you find that you're devoting more and more time and energy to gambling. A third one would be, JP, um, where one has unsuccessfully tried to stop or cut back on their gambling. The next one would be where a person tries to conceal his or her gambling from family or others. In other words, telling lies um, uh, and uh, giving false reasons for spending time at A or B or C, where in fact they're engaged in in, in their gambling. Um, the, the fifth one would be that a person would even resort to theft or fraud to get gambling money. Now, the reason that the book I referred to a while ago there, uh, Tony and, uh, and Declan Lynch, uh, would have been uh, where there was, I think, um, 4.7 million um, uh, defrauded from on post. And um, uh, Tony did um, his time in prison, uh, came out, has reformed completely and has been of great help to other people who are experiencing problem gambling. And uh, the, the last one there then, um, obviously, where, where one is asking others to bail one out of financial troubles because of gambled money. Um, and uh, many a person would have said to me that they've borrowed left, right and centre and that, you know, relatives and friends... Um, there have been fallings out over. Uh, oh, the money being borrowed. I mean, it's a pure sign of things paid, yeah. getting out of control yeah. when you go down that route. Also, Anthony yeah. is saying that even scratch cards, they can be a way to get money quick and get cash quickly, but it doesn't always seem to be the case. That can lead also to gambling. He's aware of someone where by buying scratch cards, it led them to going the other route and going into the bookies and going online and betting. And also he's aware of a lady as well that got addicted uh, to scratch cards. She was in and out of the shop buying them the whole time. So that can be yeah. a problem in- for gambling also. I have the number for Gamblers Anonymous as well, Joe, before we wrap Good up. Uh, just for those who are looking for that, uh, they are 01872 1133. So GA Gamblers Anonymous on 018721133. Joe, good advice as always well there. And well uh, a lot of signs too. I think people will be aware, maybe, but at least that they know they can get out of a situation as fast as Absolutely. they got themselves into it. That's and the main in thing. that SESRI report as well, JP, again, good man yourself for uh, pointing that out, that um, the most common forms of gambling were lotteries and scratch cards followed by betting on horses, greyhounds and other sports and slot machines and casino gambling. Yeah. So, yeah. Slot yeah. machines can be one. I suppose you get a taste for it and that's what happens and then it moves on from something that yeah. seems simple to something then that can slowly, as we've outlined, uh, get out of control and you, you can see, and as, as you said it there, how easy it can happen. So, yeah. it is something to be watchful for. Uh, Joe, thank you for that advice. Again, of course, we'll chat to you next week on the show. Uh, that is Joe Heffernan, our regular counsellor and you can contact him. He's based in Bohrbui on 086 
0818-104-145. By the way, Madeiran have just issued a status yellow rain warning for Cork and Kerry. Uh, they're warning of possible localised flooding and difficult travelling conditions. They'll be overnight and that is in place from midnight tonight until midday tomorrow. That's it. 